Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. How much time do you invest in things you don't put a high value on? Usually not much, unless someone is making you or you're working a job that requires you to perform that work. Knowing that you will spend less time on things you don't prioritize and more on things you do, how much time are you investing in God's Word? Today, Pastor Jim shares some personal testimony about his own preparation for each weekly service. He says there is no substitute for spending quality time with Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 as he continues his message, God's Faithful Representatives. Unfortunately, today in the church, church have taken pastors and they've given them sort of the CEO mentality, which the problem with that is, is that it downplays the necessity of what we call hard word work, right? You have to work the word. You have to spend a lot of time on it. Did any of you talk to me Monday and Tuesday morning of this week? Nobody? No. That's because what was I doing? This. That's what I was doing. Now, people just saying, well, I just buy my sermons. I know a lot of pastors that just say, I just buy my sermons. All right? I always wonder, I'm always, when I meet those guys, I'm like, so how much Holy Spirit is it? Does it come with Holy Spirit unction in those things? <laughs> right? And then even, even now, some of them are going, AI and chat, GPT, it's going to make it so much easier to faster to do our sermons. And I'm like, I ain't never going that way. I'm not going that way, because I find the best stuff in the sermons that I give anyway, which if there's any best stuff, I have no idea, but I find the best stuff comes when I have no idea what to say. Like when I'm like, I'm like, Lord, I know this is plain, I know this is simple, but I just don't know how to say it, I don't know how to word it, I don't fully understand it, or I understand it in my head, but I don't know how to explain it to people who do it, and then even sometimes I get up here and I'm just like, I'm just so unsettled in certain things. And then I just start to talk, and I'm like, wow, Lord, that sounded pretty good. <laughs> because the, the Lord gives you the unction, we call it the unction of the Holy Spirit, the words uh, to speak. Now, when you buy sermons, I can tell you what, they're very easy to listen to. They're very easy to listen to because they're not, you're not going to find them really being hard-hitting at all, while Jesus and the apostles were often very controversial, but they were always very God-centered in their preaching. If your goal is audience approval, you will fail to have God's approval. If you just want people to like you and to think you're cool and whatever, you will fail to have God's approval. You will not have his smile. But if you deliver the message accurately, you can bet you will have plenty of Critics, if you deliver it with zeal and without compromise, you will have your critics, but God will be smiling upon you. God-centered preachers look to be faithful. Audience-centered preachers look to be flashy, look to be famous, and look to have people like them. Now, this group, unfortunately, grows larger every year, and they have many disciples, and honestly, with all of my heart, there's no way to say it other than this. They are driving down a dead end that will result in God's judgment. Okay, you watch Jesus in the temple when he's overturning the tables. You know why? 
They were misrepresenting his father. That is something that God does not like. He does not like to be misrepresented. Now, most Christians will tell you they're against false teachers, but are they really? We're much too tolerant of a shaved truth or a shaved gospel, and the Apostle Paul calls Timothy and us to be responsible representatives of the Word of God in the midst of a world of lies and semi-truths about God. That comes to what we often call around here, bringing the Word of God to bear upon the times. And the times in which we live in, I think that if you really want to be a good representation of Christianity, you need way more Bible knowledge than you did even 20 years ago. You need a lot more now because the issues are a lot, are just, there's just a lot more and they're changing at such a rapid pace. So we need to stay in the word and we need to constantly be saying, God, I have no idea what to say. Please help me in this situation, and then don't be afraid to open your mouth. Verse 16 through 18, the Apostle Paul tells him what not to do, what not to do. But shun, some versions say avoid, profane, some versions say irreverent or worldly, and, my, I love this, idle babblings. Can <laughs> you just imagine... Timothy, avoid those idle babblings, right? Some verses say empty speech, for they will increase or they will lead to more ungodliness. Okay, they're not going to make you more godly by being involved in this stuff. They're going to make you more ungodly. And their message, verse 17, will spread like cancer. Some verses say gangrene. If you don't know what gangrene is, it's dead tissue infection. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. Some of you verse say are among them. So these are a couple of guys over at the church in Ephesus. Verse 18 tells us what happened to them. Who have strayed, some versions say swerved or departed, concerning the truth, saying, now if you've been here on Sundays, you should know the answer to this one if you had a talk with these guys, saying that the resurrection is already past. And they overthrow, some versions say they ruin the faith of some. Now, Timothy, he says, Timothy, you have to learn when to walk away yourself from some of these people. Okay, there's a difference between them infecting the church and there's a difference between them trying to sway you. You need to learn to walk away from these people, right? The content... And this is for all of us to realize, the content may seem Christian, but that doesn't mean that it is. Can I say that again? The content may seem Christian, but that doesn't mean that it is. You say, can you give me an example? Look at the top of the Christian bestseller list, and there you'll usually find it. Anybody who's telling you, my book is God telling me what to tell you, burn it. Burn it. Because you have the book. That's God telling you. People are like, well, I like it when someone makes it easy for me. They're not making it easy for you. They are doing it to your ruin. 
They overthrow, they ruin the faith of some. People were constantly dragging, and they still are today. They were in Timothy's day and Paul's day. People were constantly dragging Jesus into their own ideas about God and the word of God. Now, watch carefully. Jesus in the Gospels, when he's talking to the common people, he's just kind of nicely telling them the way it is. When he's talking to the religious leaders, he is sharp. He is right on them. Wrong. Wrong. That's not right. And the term idle babblings, what is that? That is opposing, it is adding to or subtracting from the doctrine or teaching of Jesus and the apostles and the word of God. Now, we think like the worst thing that people can do when you're Christians are like, the worst thing I can do is curse. Like, I know, I know some of you, you curse you. You know, you let that bad word pop out of your mouth. Like, where did that come from? And, the, and those of you who don't, you're just like, yeah, it only curse in my head. But the Apostle Paul says, no, this is much worse than that. Teaching false things to false people. If you believe that false stuff, that stuff will actually send you to hell. Now, you say, oh, no, I told somebody the wrong stuff. Stay with me for a second here. Such idle babblings, and you'll see it quite often, corrupts the person and leads to more ungodliness. In other words, instead of advancing in godliness, people who believe false teaching will start advancing in ungodliness. So be very careful when you're around such people. Be very, very careful because they will advance you in ungodliness. The fruit is rotten, and it is almost impossible to change their minds. And if you're not solid in your faith, they will drag you down the hole with them. Jesus said, it is the blind leading the blind into a ditch. That's exactly what's happening. Now you say, well, how does their mind change? I find more often than not, it changes through the hand of God. Now you say, well, didn't you mean to say the Holy Spirit? And I, and I say to you, nope. Usually God does something in their life to get their attention big time, and that's how they change, right? The still quiet voice of the Holy Spirit, they have learned to tune that voice out. They're like, don't bother me. I know what I'm talking about, right? The hand of God, though, often changes it. In First Timothy, the people were obsessed with genealogies, and hair-splitting debates about the laws of Moses, which people are still debating today. I mean, it's like some of these people we're going to meet in heaven, and you're like going to be, you know, Moses, I lived uh, thousands of years after you, and uh, people were debating some of the stuff that, you know, about some of the laws of Moses, and he was like, you had Jesus, what were you thinking? <laughs> right? right? We, all that stuff I was doing, that was all pointing to Jesus. He fulfilled the law. Right, And yet, that stuff still goes on today. If you watch carefully, it's pretty easy to tell who they are. See, I love the fact that the Apostle Paul kind of goes after these guys, so that way I can get away with, with saying some less than edifying things about them. I like to, reform, I like to call them the lazy elitists. <laughs> they think they're so elite in their understanding of the Word of God, and yet when you talk to them, you realize that they are very lazy in their approach to the Scriptures. Extremely lazy. 
They claim to be into the deeper things, and they are an inch deep and not even a mile wide. They're just not into the deeper things. Over the years, I've really noticed it in men who like to put on a show at church. And when I see those guys, I'm going to tell you right now, so you can say, if you encounter one of those guys and they're married and they got kids, you got to say, I'm going to tell you, he's watching how you deal with your wife and your kids. He's watching, and he's watching very carefully. All I need to do is to see some guy toting a big Bible, okay, walking five feet ahead of his wife while she's carrying two little ones and one in a, you know, one of those carry-on car seats, right? And he's walking in like he owns the place. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then he starts talking about how his woman's not submitting to him. And I'm like, well, here he is. Here he is, the lazy elitist. He's just thinking he's all it. And I'm like, and, and you know what? He's like, you know, Pastor Jim doesn't give me the time of day. Or actually, a lot of times, they just avoid me. And I'm like, well, you're right. Although, I have to make a confession this week. Everybody ready? In a very, very rare moment, now my wife's always telling me to submit to her, but in a very, very rare moment, this week, I did tell my wife to submit to me. It's been the first time in a very, very long time. She was not feeling well at all, and she said, I have a lot of gardening work to do today. And I said, you are to do no gardening work today. You do not feel well. And she goes, but I have so much to do. And I said, submit to your husband, woman. <laughs> now, she told me she did no gardening work, but she probably repented and lied and probably did it when I wasn't home. <laughs> Undoubtedly, this elitist mentality was an ongoing problem in the Ephesian church, and the Apostle Paul seems to be telling Timothy, as he's going to be talking about in sections that we go to and further in this, when he's talking about the end times, and he's like, Timothy, time is too short for you to be overly involved with these people. There's just too much real gospel work to be done for you to be spending all your time with these people. If they're causing such a problem that you need to ask them to leave the church, that's one thing. Maybe you, but you need to be not engaged all the time with them. Now, why would he say that? Because typically, the more you engage false teachers, the worse they get. False teachers, when you point out their false teaching, are probably the most vindictive people I have ever met in the body of Christ. They are extremely vindictive. And it's easy, if you're exposing yourself to such vindictive people, it's easy for them to sour your soul. And so you have to be very, very careful of that. So, so what does a pastor do? Well, this may not sound very kind, but you let them leave. You let them leave. Or you do your best to minimize their influence. And I tell you, I said it before, I'll say it again, they typically you avoid the pastor. People come up to me and they go, hey, what do you know about this guy? And I go, I don't really know the guy. I don't really know the guy. They'll be the first to point out that I didn't recognize them for anything, but I'll be like, I, I, I barely know the guy. He, he didn't come around me. You do not, do not, do not, do not, okay? If I get hit by a bus tomorrow and there's some guy you suspect is a false teacher or he's a troublemaker, 
No matter what, do not let anybody give them a position in the church. Always remember this. It's a lot easier to get people in than it is to get people out. And so you don't give them a position in the church. At the end of verse 16, he says, for they will increase or lead to more ungodliness. They are, and they might not even know it, wolves in the flock sent to disrupt or destroy the church. And so we need to be very, very careful. And sometimes people come in and they turn into that. And so it's something we need, or they put on a good act for a while. So we all need to be careful. Then notice once again, something we never do. We never do. The apostle Paul calls them out by name. Did you see he did that? He called them out by name and he tells us their teaching is not harmless. It's deadly. It's deadly. All three of the pastoral epistles strongly emphasize healthy teaching over harmful teaching over and over again. Well, what's harmful teaching? Teaching that's in conflict with the word of God. And what does he say? Such people are like sheep in a pasture spreading cancer, spreading gangrene. They are like a cancer spreading. On the one hand, he says, we can't give heresy too much attention because it's eating away what's healthy in your soul. But on the same time, we need to keep our eye out for it. Now, Hymenaeus, unless it was a popular name, I don't know, i got to get one of those first century baby books. He was mentioned in 1 Timothy 1. Assuming it's the same guy, it tells us that he's unwilling to listen and he's still at work. Now, there appears to be in 1 Timothy 1 that he was excommunicated from the church. He was asked to leave. Timothy had to tell him, we don't know how we'll do without you here, Hymenaeus, but we're dying to find out. Right, So he got him out of the church, but no doubt he either continued to come or he was continuing to contact people in the church. And every church will have people who leave and contact people in the church. Now, some people do it for friendship. Some people do it to draw others unto themselves. Some to get something out of you. All I will say is try not to be played the fool. Be wise, listen carefully, set up a meeting with a pastor so your own faith is not damaged, or if God is disciplining them, that you're not getting in the way of what God is doing. Sometimes we go too quickly to help people not realizing that God is the one who is disciplining them And when we rush in to help people, what are we doing? We're getting in God's way. So we need to be very, very careful about such things. The Apostle Paul says he's wandered from the truth, yet no doubt he was very convincing if people were following him. Well, how do they do it? They're very confident. They pretend to be experts. Again, Once again, they're often upset that they've not been recognized by the church. Of course, a lot of times, they have a serve-me mentality. And notice he says, they're saying the resurrection is already past. So they have what we call an over-realized eschatology, which is the study of end times. And I don't mean to pick on people, but 
A lot of people who are end times obsessed are very unfruitful because they're like, oh, what's the point? Jesus is coming back tomorrow anyway. Well, you got today. What's the point? Jesus is coming back probably tonight anyway. Well, you got this afternoon, right? And so many people who, who say that Jesus is coming back soon anyway, that's just an excuse. If Jesus appeared to you and said, hey, I'm going to tell you something that I'm not telling anybody else in this world. I'm coming back next Tuesday. Wouldn't you go out and tell everybody you know? Wouldn't you be the crazy guy out there telling everybody to repent? Of course you would. I hope you would. And so here's the interesting thing. Preachers who talk about the end times draw a crowd. They get all the YouTube video watchers and stuff like that, while people who watch them tend to be very unfruitful, and a lot of them drift away from the faith because they're like, I'm so tired of hearing Jesus is coming back, and he hasn't come back yet. The point is, they're saying that the resurrection is already passed. We're seeing on Sundays, in our studies in 1 Corinthians 15, that that is to deny the faith. The Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy, that one you can't let slide by. You cannot. You have to address that. Now, there are some legitimate secondary issues that people discuss in the faith. That's okay. But the point here is some people are way off on key issues, and he's saying, Timothy, on this one you have to address it. A few weeks back, a woman, if you're watching, sister, please, I didn't mean to offend you. I I hope I was as kind as I could be. She said to me, well, my pastor believes that we will not have a physical body in the resurrection. And I said, well, 1 Corinthians 15 has has laid that to rest. And they said, well, I want to talk to my pastor about it. What should I say? I said, tell him he's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, it, it it couldn't be more obvious. It's like no debate over respected theologians that that that's what the Apostle Paul is teaching. But often people are off on works-based faith, arguments over words and, and holidays and feast days and trying to sound spiritual, too much devil talk, too much Holy Spirit talk. And you know, a lot of people, when people tell me, I'm spirit-led, I'm almost always like, oh, no, you're probably not, right? Like, we'll know, we'll see it, we can tell, right? And so... In our day, we also see something emerging that is, that is taking the church by storm, and that is decreased moral standards. Now, it's always been there. Please don't get me wrong. It's always been there. But now it's just out in the open. And now there's various people who say they're Christians who say it's all okay. It doesn't really matter. And yet look at what the words the Apostle Paul uses, right, babbling, cancer, gangrene, by drawing attention to what they are saying. It's people in darkness that are teaching the darkness. And the results in the apostles' days are similar to what we see at the end of verse 18, destroying the faith of some. Just, it's just absolutely destroying them. How does it happen? False teachers lead people away from God, not to God. They often lead people to themselves. So you leave being in their presence like, oh, wow, they are so wonderful. Oh, man, 
They just know so much stuff. That's, real, that's just really incredible, man. That is not what it's supposed to be. That's not what it's supposed to be. If they're leaving you more impressed with Jesus, that's good. If they're leaving you with, I can't wait to get out there and serve him, man. That's what I want to do. I want to serve God, man. That's good. But when they're leading you away from God and into all this goofy head knowledge or this arguments over words or they're leading you to thinking that they're so smart, that is not good. What are they doing? They're taking you off the path. They're taking you off the path to God. Many people preach today the cross and forgiveness of sins and leave out the moral transformation that comes with saving faith. There, people are like, oh, just get your sins forgiven and you're in. That is not, that is not a full gospel. A full gospel is there is a moral transformation of people who are saved. Now, it's not all at once, but it is a work of grace. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.